Today on the show, those mysterious priests in their mysterious cassocks hacking for glory. Am I a failure in the confessional? Our picks of the week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Hello. <laughs> Fancy seeing you here. This is the TU Weekly. We're the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 329. I am Father Chris Decker, and uh, I used to read anything that appeared on the teleprompter. Oh, wait, that must mean we have people here today. Uh, joining me this week, we've got uh, Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher and campus minister at Archbishop Chappelle High School in, uh, in Metairie, which is in Louisiana. She's our locally faith state. Uh-huh. She's back from San Antonio. Here I am. <laughs> I am here, and here I am. Hi, Kathleen. Hi. So what we might do is at some point in the show talk a little bit about where you've been. Okay. All right, excellent. Uh, and then we've, of course, got, we've got Olivia Galino. She's the student of life, our resident Italian food critic. Hello, Olivia. Hello, Father. Also, Father Ryan Humphreys joins us. He is, uh, he is the pastor of St. Edward Parish in uh, Tallulah, Louisiana. He joins us um, uh, well over, over the, the broadband. Hello, Father. Hey there, world. And of course, Jeff Blackwell is our technical director. He is the commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. He joins us from space. Hello, Jeff. Hello out there. <laughs> that's right. In space, no one can hear you, Jeff. Wait, no, that, that's not how it works. <laughs> anyway, all right, okay. So actually, I do want to start with uh, with with where you've been, Kathleen. Yes. Because you 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 are you flew in on it, it wasn't the red eye, but it was no. like the amber eye. Yeah, right? it was. It was the, the late flight in. <laughs> yeah, that. this uh, this weekend I was invited to speak at uh, Assembly 2016 in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the Is it like a youth uh, event or a diocesan event. It's interesting because uh, the Archbishop there, Archbishop Gustavo, who. Um, so awesome wanted to the the theme is united as church and so he wanted to bring together the whole archdiocese um so he had youth young adults adults and older adults it was ranged from all over the place it was really awesome um so the theme was united as church they they wanted us to talk about new evangelization the year of mercy mm-hmm. how to be united um it was bilingual it is actually kind of trilingual because they had a, a a small population of um of deaf people. oh wow so yeah were those and so signing. mass was super interesting because they would have you know one reading in spanish one reading in english and the whole time they're they're signing, signing everything and it was beautiful and, and the archbishop got out there and started signing to them it was oh my. it was awesome so he's i mean doing it an excellent job of just of just bringing the people together cool. and saying okay from from all generations from all walks of life from from any um cultural background this is who we are as a church and so let's move let's move with that um and so it was uh, it was awesome. I had a great time. That they, they, they may put Southern hospitality to shame. I'm just oh, gonna say wow. that. Well, they were so welcoming, so kind. The young adults, uh, the, they had a, a group of young adults who invited. Well, uh, I'll go back. A few of us did a young adult track, like uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, a few like uh, different evangelization. Yeah, things like like kind of like adults. small TED talks. Yeah. Yeah. And the young adult group there. They're like, we're having an after party. We're going to this Mexican restaurant. Come with us. And I was like, I'm so exhausted. Yes. (laughs) Let's do this. As long as they have the LSU Alabama game. (laughs) I wish they did. But then they switched to the Spurs because apparently... Well, you know, nobody cares. Doesn't mean the same thing, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But they were just awesome. so great and so fun, and and, and such a great and beautiful uh, archdiocese. So that's Very where cool. I, that's where I've been. It's always nice to see Pentecost working. 
Yes. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Well, uh, well, welcome back to, to Kathleen and Thank to you. all of you who are joining us over podcasts or over the many various ways that you get the Catholic Underground. We thought we'd uh, talk at the top of the show about something that you probably see but maybe don't understand all the time, uh, which that's the beauty of our Catholic faith. There are plenty of things that I see and I go, oh man, I wonder what that's about. And so I have to go and look it up. But the cassock, the the normal priestly garb, mm-hmm. um, I believe, Father Ryan, this would be option A, um, and we also have option B, which is the clerical shirt, uh, which I believe are you wearing today? Yeah, I am wearing this evening, yes. That's right. So I'm an option A, Father Ryan is an option B. You know, like so much that, that Mother Church provides for us, even the simple cassock is a treasure of meaning and tradition that always gently guides us back to Christ. Everything that the church does is, is a signpost, a very intentional signpost. And the church never points to herself, but she always points to the Lord. And so even, even the cassock itself derives from uh, a very ancient actual Roman tradition, and uh, it was the, 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 the garment, I was about to say document, no, it was the garment <laughs> that was worn underneath the toga, and beneath the outer garment in in uh, in ancient uh, ancient Rome, and so it was kind of like the middle garment, basically. So um, you you might uh, you might say it's like uh, your t-shirt and jeans, if you will. I guess that's that's mm. probably accurate. Yeah. Uh, and so in in religious services services, uh, it's uh, traditionally worn beneath the vestments, so it would come come before the alb. And so the the cassock itself is not necessarily a liturgical garment; it's an everyday garment. But it also has um, a, a use uh, within the liturgy. There's a, a prayer that goes with uh, with blessing it, as well as putting it on. And of course, it uh, it comes from the Middle French word casac, uh, meaning long coat. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I believe soutane uh, is another uh, translation of that. In fact, uh, I know the the British and, and the Irish they still use the word soutane to talk about the cassock, which means the the little the little the middle garment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the first time that we actually see the word used is in 1604, um, which is uh, which is in a canon, a book of, of rules of the church, um, and it's talking about um, how it's used, the basic way that it's used. And of course, Father, um, I often get asked why we wear a black cassock. Yeah, that's one of those questions that, that comes up often, because a lot of people nowadays just tend to kind of think that, well, Father wears whatever he wants. So, you know, my priest wears a polo shirt, that priest wears a mint green cleric, that guy over there wears a cassock, and it just seems like it's at random, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. The black color is that symbol symbolism that every priest is called to die to himself, you right. know, to be that seed that falls into the earth and dies and then rises again. And so black is the symbol of that willingness to die for Christ and to be, uh, to certain sense, to die to my will and to be a servant of Christ. That's right. And I often like to say that that we priests invented emo, right? Uh, the notion that, that the wearing of black is a sense that, that we, we ought to not only ourselves die to the spirit of the world so that we may live for Christ, but also to invite others to do so as well, because the cassock itself is, is a giant signpost. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the white collar we'll talk about in a second as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's talking about it, the, the black color is, is unity uh, in Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Well, I, I got to tell you, yeah. I, I must apologize to you, two men of the collar, because yeah. I, I had a joke for years like, I wonder what a priest does when he gets up in the morning and goes to class. What am I going to wear today? <laughs> uh, well, you really do have choices then. Yeah, well, we <laughs> have sorry. a few, right? We have option A and option B, you know, and then yeah. there's kind of like option B2, which is the untuckable clerical shirt. That's for ah. the days 
you know, where you had a little too much lunch the day before. And like, I, <laughs> my pants not fitting so well today. It does happen, yeah. And also, uh, traditionally in the cassock, you'll, there, there are buttons down the front of it. And uh, traditionally, there are 33 buttons. I think, I think my cassock has a few fewer than 33. Um, yeah, I think we counted them last time. It yeah. was maybe 21. I would need to be taller just because of the way the buttons <laughs> are spaced. But generally, there are 33 buttons that symbolize the 33 years of Christ's earthly life. Wow. And now I have I have a, a simple a simple cassock or I should say a simpler one that doesn't have any buttons on the sleeves but traditionally there are buttons on the sleeves as well and there are five on each sleeve to symbolize the five wounds of Christ on the cross. It's mm. kind of a neat thing too. That is. And then uh, and then of course the collar the collar uh, you know it's still like in Britain it's still called the dog collar because uh, in uh, it, it goes all the way around, all the way around and everything. Uh, and unlike Father Ryan's tab collar, which hints at the going all the way around. Oh. Yeah, you see, it's, it's, a, it's a cheater, you see, it's, yeah. it's a cheater. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but it symbolizes uh, the priest's joyful obedience to Christ and the church. It is a, a, a yoking of the priest to the church. Uh, and, and that is actually a very beautiful thing because... What do married couples wear? They wear a wedding ring to symbol the fact mm-hmm. that symbolize the fact that they are joined one to another, and in a sense they are kind of yoked to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they are they are doing the work of of sanctifying each other in the in the presence of God for their entire lives. Well, the priest does that as well, and so the collar is a symbol of that. And then uh, I forgot my fascia. Uh, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I know you're. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> That's right. It's very gauche. Uh, but uh, but the 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 fascia is is a sash that is worn uh, uh, around the cassock. It's kind of like a, a thick belt, and uh, it's usually made of a fabric of some kind. Um, and uh, a black one is worn by priests, uh, deacons, and and usually seminarians as well. They'll wear the fascia. And uh, a purple one is used by bishops and several versions of Monsignor. Uh, and then, of course, the, uh, the the red one is used by a cardinal, as you'll remember from your reading. And then, Kathleen, the white fascia is used by two different types of uh, of, of priest. Do you know the two? Um, I would say the pope. Uh huh. And I don't know. That's right. The Norbertines actually. Oh, oh. Of course. The Norbertines. Precisely. Yeah. The Norbertine monks use a a, a white uh, a white fascia as well. And interestingly enough, the the hats there are there are hats too that priests get to wear. Um, and uh, and so the the beretta, which is kind of the normal, it's the the liturgical beretta is is the hat that's worn. It's got the fins on it and the pom pom sometimes mm-hmm. at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the Norbertines actually are the only ones that wear a white beretta. The Pope would wear a, actually he doesn't really wear a beretta, but mm. if he did, I guess it would be red because the Pope himself is a cardinal. And so mm. usually if he wears any of the other stuff on top of his cassock, it's the red color of, uh, of the cardinal. It's usually the Santa Claus hat. That's with right, the, he does. With the ermine, he, that's yeah. the traditional hat of the Pope, is the Santa Claus hat. That's right, it's a little, it, it, that's exactly what it looks like. It's got a little ermine trim, mm. and then it's red, like a red velvet. There's with a no, white palm on top. That's right, uh-huh. <laughs> I believe that piece is optional. I don't know. No, no, actually, it's not. The it's white not. palm is, is his is symbolism of office, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. So mm-hmm. everything. Hmm. I have everything. a question. Yes. The Beretta, I've always wondered, and it kind of bothers me because of, I like symmetrical things. Uh-huh. Why only the three fins and not the four fins? Oh, that's a very good question. The, the, the liturgical Beretta was kind of frozen at three fins. Uh, academic Berettas, you basically have a fin for each level of, of, of academic uh, completion. Hmm. And so your doctorate would be the fourth fin. 
the way that it actually happened with three fins is just um, kind of by natural selection, actually. The, the priest would take, the using his right hand, would take off the Beretta um, with his right hand, and that was the fin that kind of stuck around. Since the left fin was never used, it just, it just kind of fell out. Never, it fell out of use. That yeah. never glued back on, and uh, and so and also because it represents the Trinity, okay. um, and it's also a simplification for the sake. Because whenever whenever the priest goes to the altar, he is the same as every other priest, mm. you know, in that in that sense. And so there was a simplification of that. I think I got that right, Father. Huh? Am I generally correct? Yeah, mostly. I mean, there, the the liturgical Beretta does have. Uh, can have four fins and mm-hmm. it can have piping on it depending mm-hmm. on your rank. Mm-hmm. So it's not always just black and three fins. But yeah, that, you have everything else right, the, the way the symbolism works. And it should be fairly simple. A big part of this too is is realize that when, when clergy would get together in gatherings, there were very specific rules for what order they had to be reverenced in and what order they had to be incensed in. Mm-hmm. And so in a certain sense that the, the hats and the colors were a bit of a cheat sheet. That's right. So you know you know how to how to basically get in line. Kindergartners get in line short to tall. <laughs> That's clergy right. had to get in line from from seminarians up to deacons up to priests, That's pro right. notaries, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's right. It's it's usually very helpful. Although nowadays, if you have enough seminarians, the seminarians will oftentimes or deacons will stand as a, a marshal in between the different ranks. Um, if you right. have a lot of different priests uh, to to worry about, because wow. um, we, you know, we, it's often said that whenever whenever a person gets ordained, when you're a seminarian, you are a consummate liturgist. You know exactly what's supposed to happen and where everything's supposed to happen. And then you become a priest, and you're just kind of led around by everybody. You know, you forget where yeah. you're supposed to stand. But this can actually help you whenever um, you're you're doing your Audubon priest spotting. You know, uh, you can you can tell what kind of a priest is, and we'll put a link in the show notes too, uh, so you can see some pictures of what these things look like as well. So that's a uh, kind of a neat thing, uh, things we don't often think about. But oftentimes people look at clerical attire and they're intrigued by it, uh, but never kind of walk up to the priest and say, "Hey, Father, why are you wearing that?" Every now and then I'll get that, but not not that's too good. often. So mm-hmm. I myself am usually too timid to ask those questions, but I do wonder this, like the Beretta question. I've had that for years. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's just part of the uh, part of the public service we like to provide here at the show that we call the Catholic Underground. <laughs> he wasn't ready for that. It's okay. <laughs> it, it, the goofy computer. So. That's okay. All so right. it's one. Of, you want to try it again? It's that part of the show. Or, or, or hold on, I got to do this again. <clears throat> okay. Yes. <clears throat> Here we ready. go. Yeah, it's uh, it's well, all the part of the fun that we call the Catholic Underground. <laughs> I feel better now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this uh, this music kind of helps us to loosen up a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. 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 All right, you're listening to Catholic Underground. Uh, we are online at catholicunderground.tv or CUTV Live to give your fingers a little less to do. Uh, I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Jeff Blackwell, Olivia Galino, Kathleen Lee, and Father Ryan Humphreys joins us from um, from Gravity Falls, Oregon. I think <laughs> this is is this is this. Uh, if you're watching us on the video feed, I love the fact that Father Ryan has perpetual Christmas couch. <laughs> It's um, it's kind of a red tartan. It could be a Scottish Christmas couch. There you go. <laughs> I, 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 I want to know what happened to uh, Professor McGonagall's uh, um, uh, Afghan, and now I know. They yeah. made a couch out of it. <laughs> there you go. That's my um, my Harry Potter reference for the day. You're welcome, Planet Harry Earth. Harry Potter. That's right. So we talked about uh, you know black hats and white hats and red hats and all of that. Um, uh, let's talk about how that translates into a different realm 
And uh, you know, you can't follow anything right now to do with the presidential election without talking about WikiLeaks. And a lot of people question, well, what was this, all this WikiLeaks stuff? Well, what we're talking about is, is hacking, right? So together with the hacker syndicate Anonymous, WikiLeaks has put the question of hacking front and center in the discussion. And so we thought uh, from the Catholic underground perspective, we talk a little bit about hacking. And so we go to our, our black hat, white hat correspondent or our white hat who wears a black hat, Father, yeah. Father Ryan Humphreys. <laughs> I'm just a nerd. We'll just go with that. That's right. You yeah, hacking a is a it's it's a really serious question and it's complicated because if you watch Mr. Robot on TV, you get the idea of magical hacking or you watch these shows where uh, someone's typing vigorously and there's this projection under their face of windows and that has nothing to do with the real world. Real world hacking is much, much more boring uh, and it basically <laughs> comes in two flavors. You either have social hacking or software hacking. And social hacking is where we try to trick you into doing something. We try to trick you into giving me your password, trick you into clicking a button. Um, it, you, sometimes it's called social engineering. This is phishing. So could a uh, pop-up be like that, too, on your yeah, web browser? Yeah, a pop-up, a so? fake email is the most common one. But, yeah, yeah pop-ups are there, too. Also, anytime you get an email and says, please go back, to, go immediately to your bank and log into our site, and then <laughs> mm -hmm. you click this link. Don't click the link. Just yeah. don't do it. It's I bad. think I'll go directly to my bank and do what this email <laughs> yeah. has told well, me. Well, I'll get into the habit of typing in the address to your bank, mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you have social hacking, and then you have software hacking, which is what we see on TV a lot. And that's where you either write or you use software that take advantage of bugs errors in code ah, yes. uh, of a computer system. And and that can be done in a good way. Because like when I'm writing software and I'm trying to figure out problems with my software, I have to hack the software I've just written. And when we do that as a bug checker or for a positive purpose, we call ourselves white hat hackers, like white hat from the old Western shows where the white hat was the good guy and the black hat was the bad cowboy. Ah, um, I see. So you see so, the, the white hat. So black not just hat, Norbertines, but good hackers. <laughs> That's right. There we go. <laughs> yeah. You got the six shooter there, and you're wearing a white hat. You're a good fella. Um, now most hackers are what we call black hat hackers. These are people who are profiteers. They're they're looking to get your information, either to steal it or more likely to make you part of a a botnet. <gasps> no, not yes. a botnet. A botnet. Bot a botnet. A botnet is a, is a is a group of computers that are all running some malicious piece of software, and then I say, okay, I send out a, a, a block of code that says we're going to send out 20 million spam messages, and even though you don't know it, your computer is responsible for sending some of those out. Ah. Or you guys saw that that the web went down a couple of days ago. My like yeah, Twitter was out, that? Facebook is yeah. out. The DNS that's was... called a it's called a DDoS attack, a distributed mm -hmm. denial of service, and it's when a nerd like me tells every computer in a giant botnet to start requesting data from a server and it, the server becomes completely overloaded and we just keep requesting and keep requesting wow. and it means that nobody else can get to that site for as long as we want. Yeah, usually it's just people trying to request stranger things over and over and over. <laughs> but but uh, but in this case it was it was a a directed attack. Right. To bring down Netflix or bring down those things. Yeah. And so that's that's a that's a black hat attack. Mm -hmm. And then you have a third category, which are people who would call themselves crusaders. And so that's your WikiLeak folks, your anonymous folks who who believe they're doing something good by their hacking, whether so, it's knocking out 
you know, Russian intelligence or stealing emails of people who are doing something nefarious. I see. So, so they would think of themselves as wearing a Robin Hood hat. That's right. That is a great analogy. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad Thank I contributed you. something to this discussion you, that, I, <laughs> that I know very little about. Because well, yeah. the, the question of then of ethics comes into it. Because, you know, if you have a, a white hat hacker who is trying to do good, you have a black hat hacker that is trying perhaps to create chaos. And then you have um, these crusaders, as you call them, with the Robin Hood hat that are doing a little bit of both. So who ethics the ethical people? I mean, who determines that? Well, well, generally, when you're playing with your own system, that's ethical. You know, if mm -hmm. I'm trying to fix some software I wrote. Yeah, or, just debugging. You know, yeah, I'm, right. I'm fixing something. If somebody else asks me to debug, then that's also white hat. And in fact, there are a lot of people who are constantly attacking Microsoft products mm -hmm. because Microsoft will pay you if you oh. find a problem for them and you say, look, I found a bug, they'll give you $1,000. Kathleen, there's you know, your new cash cow. Yes, I'm just going to go poke around in, <laughs> in Microsoft servers. Yeah. Yes. So, so that kind of stuff is considered ethical. Um, and you could even argue that some crusaders might be ethical, especially those folks who have taken it on themselves to go to the dark web and identify, say, child pornography, identify mm -hmm. uh, illegal sites, you know, things that are bad. Those people, you could argue, are being ethical, even though they're doing something that is inherently deceptive. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, hacking is not ethical because you're doing something that is not intended, that the other folks don't want you to do. And then you're going to do something with that that benefits you at the detriment of someone else. And that's basically the definition of unethical. I see. So my goodness, uh, this is this is. It, I would imagine it can become really, really um, gray hat, if you will, uh, because there there seems to be no particular metric for measuring what's ethical or not, other than the person who is hacking thinks that this is a good idea for the good of dot dot dot. Right. My goodness. So mm -hmm. I suppose it's worth saying because we are the Catholic underground that that uh, this certainly does affect the church in that moral decision-making, ethical decision-making does come into it. Yeah, I mean, anybody who, who is saying, I want to get closer to God, mm -hmm. and, my, and I want to decide to take up hacking at the same time, well, that's, that's a somewhat challenging thing to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not necessarily at the top of the list of virtuous, holy things you would expect St. Charles Borromeo to be on board with. Right. Do you, do you think, uh, Jeff, in... in I don't know, a hundred years, we'll see stained glass windows with, uh, with canonized hackers. What would that look like? I'm going to have to draw that this week. <laughs> I would love to see what that would look like. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, work That's on right. that. So, so in the back of the stained glass, you have binary code, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. and then, and then maybe a, a USB dongle in one hand and maybe a mouse <laughs> oh, click man. on the other. Okay. I'm, I'm seeing it. Yeah. That's a yeah. 2011. Well, you know, the, the thing that this does really bring forth is is the reality that no matter what we, we say, no matter what we want to do, privacy is dying in our culture, for mm -hmm. better or worse. Yeah. And so that does mean that we have to be all the more cautious because everything that is hidden will be revealed. And so we've got to get out of the habit of, of sending snide emails to say, you will, can't guess what Miss So-and-so said. And we've got to get out of the habit of just assuming that our text messages are ours to do with what we like, right. yeah. that our Snapchats are really mm -hmm. gone. They're not. Um, and, and getting into the habit of saying, you know, if, if I want a place that's private, it needs to be in my mind. And in mm. fact, that may be a good thing, you know, because there's, there's an awful lot of snide, 
obnoxious stuff the internet has brought about in us, you know, anonymous comments. Yeah. And it may be time to, to, to just re remind yourself there's no such thing as anonymous anymore. And so, you know, the next time you decide to just go get into a flame war on Facebook or an argument on Reddit or wherever, mm -hmm. maybe don't do that. That's not a good thing. This is something you taught me, Father Ryan, uh, about like a couple of years ago when the Nest thermometer came out, the thermostat for your home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had told me that the thing is sitting there listing. It's like, what? Uh-huh. And, and, uh, but it was, it was supposed to be in a, in a, uh, a useful way. But if the thing can hear what's going on in your home, and it's an innocent thermostat hanging on the wall, I mean... But not so innocent. I know. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, of course, you're, now there's a, a thing where, uh, where basically Facebook is listening all the time. Really? And so if you yeah. happen to have your phone in the confessional with you, um, I always make sure that I, I turn it on airplane mode or turn it off in mm -hmm. the confessional because... Uh, that could right there be a violation, and you never know who's listening in. That's you know? amazing. Or for that matter, how long that, that Facebook has had that little uh, feature built in where it's always listening. So because the, the plus side is it's listening so that whenever you give it a command, it can respond. But right. if it's always on and always listening, uh, then, then there is a dangerous thing there too. And so as far as ethics goes, we also have to protect ourselves, especially for in the case of the church, um, without getting paranoid, I think that's where I find myself is like, oh, well, should I just become a paranoid person and start, you know, yes, knitting Cat5 yeah. cable together? You know, I, yeah. well, I mean, and realize that right now Amazon sells not one but three smart devices that sit on your counter and mm -hmm. listen to every word you say. Mm -hmm. Wow. Google true. sells two. And that's all these things do is listen. Yeah. And we have no way of knowing where that data goes. I yeah. mean, and you're talking about people... You know, it's it's no longer challenging for for, uh, for for what we call big data analysis to take that and have a computer program that does nothing but analyze the words you say and search for patterns. Um, that's what the NSA does with Stingray, and and so you know it's it's no longer really for us to say, oh, I'm just one voice among many. I'm lost in anonymity. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing anymore. You know, and so so whether we're a hacker or not. Hackers affect us, and certainly those who are working for the church. If somebody wants to persecute the church, the best place to start, I would think, would be hacking email addresses of folks that work for the church. Well, that's true. So the short answer there is, yeah, be a little bit paranoid. Mm -hmm. No doubt. <laughs> and that's okay no to, to be able to protect yourself, but also to stand yeah, for what healthy. to yeah. what is uh, for what is good too. Healthy you know? paranoia. Yeah. Yeah, there's a such thing as healthy paranoia. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I think uh, it's okay. It's okay to be that way in the in the uh, account that you're. You're protecting yourself. You're protecting your data, and assuming that uh, the gospel is true, that there is nothing that is hidden now that will not be we, be brought to light. And so we do. We have to be ethical, even if we aren't hackers. We we should be good citizens of the digital continent. Yeah. And uh, so um, so go ye therefore and be good citizens of the digital continent. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but stay right where you are because we've got the thrilling conclusion to the Catholic <laughs> Underground. Stay right there. A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, St. Joseph, her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, 
to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back. Thou hast found the Catholic Underground. I am thy humble host, Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, Kathleen Lee, Jeff Blackwell, Father Ryan Humphreys. Our picks of the week are coming up before you can even think it. But first, we thought that we would uh, talk a little bit more about confession. We talked about the dangers of having your phone on in the confessional. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there there is something that takes place, um, and I know as, as a person who must go to confession as well, where... I sometimes wonder, am I a failure at this Catholic thing because I confess the same sins? Mm-hmm. And that seems to, to trouble many people, you know, um, because we all have those favorite sins that we, that we commit, right? Uh, uh, maybe the flame war on Facebook is a, a, a constant sin, huh? being uh, tempted by that and giving into it. But uh, there, there's a question that comes about uh, from our friends at Alatea, mm-hmm. uh, kind of writing in, asking that question, am I a failure, right? Yeah, and I, I've asked myself this question. Uh, I think we all have. Um, mm-hmm. When you're dragging your feet to go to confession, it's like, oh, I have to Here go. I am again. Here yeah. I am again. And uh, there's a temptation to, to think of that as an admission of defeat, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, once again, I couldn't do it, so here I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the people at Alethea, in response to a question posed to them that's basically uh, saying this, is saying that, don't think of it so much as an admission of defeat, but as a prayer, That's right. uh, as a recognition of, of, yes, we're weak, but there's hope. How, how very Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I often say, how many times do I feel exactly like Israel because I do exactly what Israel did? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, how, how many times where I'm, I'm barely out of the confessional and in the parking lot, already there I am making a golden calf. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, of one kind or another, mm-hmm. and and thinking, man, here, uh, will I be able to turn back to the Lord? Mm-hmm. And the Lord's answer is always the same. Yes, yep. mm-hmm. that's always yeah. That's right. Um, so the the question that was posed to the to the people at Alethea is um, basically, I I hate confessing confessing the same thing over and over every month. It gets tiresome. I'm afraid the priest isn't going to think I'm really sorry if I keep doing the same behavior all the time. Um, and she said, the, the lady who writes this says, I mean, obviously, if I was really sorry, I'd just stop, right? Yeah. Um, and she's, she assumes that that's what he's probably thinking. Um, so Father Chris, I mean, obviously, you can't give specifics, but like, as from a priest's perspective, mm-hmm. what, do you, what goes through your mind? And, and Father Ryan, hello, floating head. Uh, <laughs> what, what goes through your mind as a priest in confession when maybe you have a penitent who says the same things over and over again mm-hmm. or, or you know that someone struggles with a particular sin? Is it, mm-hmm. is it from a place of judgment? Or? Well, well, you know what's interesting is that when we go into the confessional, um, the, the priest does sit, uh, in a sense, on the throne of judgment, mm-hmm. but mercy always triumphs over judgment. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes when I have someone come to confession, uh, it's amazing that uh, that they're confessing the sins that I commit. <laughs> you know, they they confess my sins to me. You know, and so immediately, whenever somebody comes in, um, and uh, and and oftentimes if if they're they're coming um, uh, anonymously behind the screen, I don't really I, I don't try to figure out who it is, and you know that's uh, that's not what the priest is there for. Right. Um, but uh, sometimes it will it will occur where someone will talk about uh, habitual sin things like that. 
I'm immediately, I'm moved with pity in mm-hmm. uh, the good sense of pity, right? The, the desire to exercise mercy to another. Because oftentimes you wouldn't be in the confessional if, uh, if you had no desire to, to try to, to get up again and to walk in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so um, if, if somebody does struggle with a sin that they commit over and over and over again, please don't worry about what the priest is going to think because the priest himself is a sinner. The priest must go to confession huh, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, in fact, Father Ryan and I talk about that a good bit, is that we try to go to confession very regularly. I try to go monthly. Um, I know, Father, you have about the same schedule, if not a little bit more uh, frequently, huh? Yeah, I mean, if, if, as when I was uh, in my previous parish and I had another priest living with me, I went about every other week. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's just not feasible, so I go about once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I could speak to, to Olivia's question, too, um, you know, when I when, when I'm in the confessional, I tend to have regular confe- confession uh, people, confessor, whoever they are, uh, people who come in and they tend <laughs> to be. Yeah. There you go. That's a good word. Uh, and they tend to come in two categories. You have the folks who have some kind of habitual sin that's a serious sin. Maybe uh, you know on the guy's side that tends to be something to do with pornography. On uh, on the girl's side, it generally has to do something with gossip or perhaps a family issue. Maybe there's a a daughter-in-law or a cousin or something like that that's causing you know it's actually a, a big deal. And mm-hmm. then you have the character flaw crowd who are saying, "I'm trying to get over." being judgmental. I'm trying to get over these kind of fundamental character things that are the thorns in the flesh that St. Paul says we ain't never going to get over. <laughs> and in both cases, you know, I don't really ever have ever had the sense of, God, this person's just not trying hard enough. Right. On the one hand, you have folks who are clearly trying to overcome something that is difficult, you know, yeah. whether it is sexual, whether it's it's not, whether it's an entirely separate category. These are folks who are trying to get over it. My mm-hmm. heart goes out to them and I want to be there for them, yeah. you know, and, and, and generally speaking, you know, those are the kind of folks I end up developing a bit of a relationship with, which is fine, you know, mm-hmm. connecting with them and, and, and giving advice and, you know, kind of letting, letting that person feel like they've got a safe place. Yeah. On the other hand, those are the folks that you say, you know, you've gotten rid of the big sense. Thanks be to God. And this is the house cleaning. And, yeah. you know, and come as often as you want. There's nothing That's wrong right. with that because you need to know that God can can be here with you. But in a certain sense, there's a humility that yeah. says, Lord, you know, if you want me to be free of this, I'll be free of it. But for right now, I'm going to devote myself entirely to you. And I'm going to pay attention to these little things that I may not have paid attention to in my youth. And in both cases, right. that person is definitely in my good graces and gets a big old smile from me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and that's certainly the, the case for me as well, mm-hmm. uh, where there's, I call them maintenance confessions, you know. Thanks yeah, be to God work. that you have made a good confession, and you may be troubled by the, um, uh, the, the seeming frequency of this, but the Lord would be more troubled if you didn't return to him. Mm-hmm. Because recognizing that I'm a sinner and that I perhaps have, have confessed the same sin over and over and over again also bespeaks of a desire to finally have it gone. Um, and it's interesting that, that, uh, that we will almost always, as, as Father Ryan said, have those thorns in our side, not because the Lord doesn't want to free us from the sin, that, that mm-hmm. the Lord certainly wants to do that. That's why he gives us the sacrament of reconciliation. But because of the fallen world in which we live, uh, we are tempted to return to those things that we uh, ultimately find comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. We can find sin comfortable. And so the Lord will use uh, those, those means of, of, um, of misbegotten comfort to bring about our sanctification. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord will not always take the temptation away or take the thorn away, but, but he will allow us to be purified through our struggle 
Um, and it is a real struggle. It is a good struggle to struggle against sin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think, if, too, if I could, I'll go ahead. No, mm-hmm. no, no. I, go, please. I, I was just to say, I think one of the, the difficult things is that some folks will go into a confession and Father is having a bad day. It, do, it does um, happen. Yeah. It does and, happen. And, you know, and, and I, I do want to speak to that because I've, I've been that guy. I've had mm-hmm. a bad day. And someone comes in with a maintenance confession and they maybe want to talk about that maintenance confession at great length. Mm. And they were there yesterday to talk about that maintenance confession at great length. And Mm. they were there the day before that. That does become frustrating for the priest, but predominantly as a function of just how long it takes. Mm. Um, And so hopefully Father is going to be patient with you. But if you do find yourself turning the confessional into a venting session or a counseling session, that's not a good thing. And it may be time to seriously look at maybe spiritual direction or having a counseling appointment. Um, Because if you do become the person who spends 15 minutes every day in the confessional to confess that you have done something other than murder a family of five, (laughs) probably probably need to look at that because that's not really what the sacrament is designed for. So if, if that's your situation, that is kind of an exception to the rule, you know, then maybe consider having an appointment with Father because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if Father has a bad day, pray for him and, and come back again a couple days later and make a confession. You know? mm-hmm. That's right. That's very true. Uh, we are human, um, and, and we are oftentimes reminded of that, not only in the confessional, but also whenever we're yawning in the confessional, because it does happen yeah. sometimes where we've had a very long day, and yet we still, we're showing up, we're happy that you're showing up, but sometimes uh, our manners don't show up, and Aww. it does happen, it does yeah. happen that way. But yeah, con- yeah, confession is so good that way. But as mm-hmm. Father said, it's always a good uh, idea to, to note when, um, if something is becoming more exaggerated and perhaps habitual, to say, Father, can, can maybe we make an appointment sometime? Can I call the office and make an appointment outside of confession um, so that if, I, if I'd like to, I can enter into a confession, the confessional seal because I want to keep this, uh, to keep this, this uh, bound to the seal. But I'd like to make a longer confession, a general confession, to kind of dig a little bit to, to get to the bottom of some of this, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's important to, to, to note that um, we can begin to like confession, but, but not in the sense of, oh, hooray, it's fun, you know. Right, but, right. But to say that I'm going for healing, right? None of us likes to go and get our flu mm-hmm. shot because we like the <laughs> stick of the needle. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people do, I don't know, but... But, you know, to, to be able to say, I'm going here because I know that I'm going to be healed, even though it may be a little embarrassing, even though it may be, uh, in some cases, humiliating. Humiliation is not always a bad thing, right? right? It can bring us closer to the Lord. Uh, but to be able to say, I'm going to go here because I know that God's mercy is bigger than the sins that I commit, and I want to fall into his mercy. Mm-hmm. That's really been a big uh, message, of course, to, in this year of mercy is, is right. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think you're touching on an important point with humiliation and humility. Um, both of these things are, you know, we go about, think about the Latin roots of these things. It's, it's humus, the ground. Mm-hmm. So these things ground us. They, they bring us back down from our heights and, and where we can be too comfortable in our sin. And um, we were talking earlier about the Old Testament. It makes me think of all of the concessions that God makes in the Old Testament um, because we do believe that the God of the, of the Old Testament and the God of the New are the same God. That's right. Um, and so the God of mercy is the same God throughout all of the scriptures. That's right. Um, he is all who of is, Revelation. period. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, very fundamentally, he's a God of justice, but one of mercy. And so mm-hmm. you see the Israelites over and over again 
committing sins against God and sometimes just horrible, terrible sins. Yeah. And God constantly giving them concessions like, okay, try this, mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in a sense of, and he lets them live in their sin, but not because he wants them to stay there, but because he wants them to, to feel the burden of that yeah. and to come to him with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Those and, are, by the way, some of the best confessions is when mm-hmm. someone has been so burdened by by the sins that they've committed that that they are finally at a place where they can only turn to the Lord Mm -hmm. because turning to themselves hasn't taken them anywhere. And to be able to be the person on the other side of the confessional to say, the Lord has been waiting for you. He has been waiting for you to come to this holy mountain Mm -hmm. and to be able to, to offer, uh, to offer not only the words of comfort there, um, but, but also the words of absolution. What a great gift. Uh, and in that case, uh, you know, the penances sometimes are a joyful thing because uh, the penances oftentimes are not proportional <laughs> yeah. to to the sins that, that we confess, at least in the mind of the penitent. You know, the mind of the penitent says, well, I, I really, I, I should be, you know, building a small chapel in a Sicilian <laughs> countryside, you know, for the things that I've done. And the priest says, no, how about a decade of the rosary asking Our Lady to, to pray with you that, that you be able to move forward in grace and not in uh, in sin, you know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And what a great gift that is to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but like Father said, if you if you start to think that, well, I should like confession more, mm-hmm. uh, there's something wrong with me because mm-hmm. I don't like it, mm-hmm. no, you're fine. No, it's not it's okay. supposed to be fun. No, um, because it's, it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. You're sitting in front of a human being, a human being who is admittedly uh, in persona Christi, mm-hmm. um, who is sitting, like you said, on the throne of judgment, but a human being, you know, someone that you might see in an Applebee's, and you're telling them all... You'd never <laughs> see me in an Applebee's. Nor me. Uh, <laughs> never, never. There's a stream of I like my steak grilled. Sorry, continue. Sorry, keep going. All right, well, in, insert restaurant here, or in Walmart, per se. Yeah, I know yeah. both of you go to Walmart. Um, <laughs> and you, so it's... it's essentially yeah. it's uncomfortable telling that person that you may see in an in a ordinary context all of the terrible things that you've done or all of the the sins that you struggle with mm-hmm. um but in doing so we acknowledge that we are weak that he, we have a, a fundamental human weakness right. and therefore that we are totally dependent on god yep and that's freeing it um, is. because sin is a slavery as we've learned in the scriptures and through mm-hmm. all of the tradition of the church that sin enslaves us yep. and so we have to free ourselves of that sin and we throw ourselves onto Christ. That's right. And so in confession, that's what we're doing. We're exactly. going to the representative of Christ and saying, it's not me. It's got to be you that's right. because I can't do it. Exactly. Which is why I don't order the appetizer tray at the Applebee's. <laughs> to all of our Applebee's employees listening, uh, no, I, I have gone to an Applebee's. I'm just, I'm just put that out there. Yeah. It's okay. In fact, I have a gift card that I haven't used. So... Ugh. Sorry, Father Ryan. Father Chris's don't save, confession don't save of the it day. for my visit. That's right. <laughs> That's okay. There are no Applebee's near where my rectory is. Uh, so, <laughs> the, but there is a key to confession mm-hmm. too. To, to getting into the nitty gritty of it of what confession is about, the key is the thing that you are taught to remember from your earliest age. Right. The act of contrition. That's right. That's the key to understanding. Not the African chicken, Kathleen. Oh, thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I, mean, I almost got those totally mixed up. <laughs> yeah, so. It happens to me so, all the yeah. time. Don't worry. Think about the end of the act of contrition, which I'm sure you've learned since you were a Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. I know that's been reformulated in the past couple of years, but that's the basic that's the, crux that's of the it. Good, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so it's only with the help 
of God's grace that we can resolve to sin no more. It yeah. takes it takes grace to get you in the confessional, and it takes grace to sustain you when you yeah, leave. That's right. Um, and, and God is willing to do all those things. Actual right. grace, getting you in there, and sanctifying and sacramental grace when you leave. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it doesn't say that with that grace and my strong sense of self-control, mm-hmm. I resolve to sin no more. Because we can't save ourselves. No, we do not have the power of self-salvation. No, we don't. And we learn that time and time again when we try and we fail. Um, And it's our pride that tells us that we should be better than our sins. I should Mm -hmm. be able to to defeat this on my own. I should be able to conquer this on my own. Or just stop, as the lady who wrote the the letter to Alethea says. Mm -hmm. She wants to just stop. But we can't do that. We we depend wholly on God's grace. That's right. It's, It's like me with a plate of cupcakes in front of me. Well, yes. I should just be able to not have a cupcake. Kathleen, that's not going to happen. I'm going to have the cupcake. Yep. The spirit just is willing. Eat it. The flesh <laughs> is weak. So frequent confession, um, even if it seems like a defeat to us, it actually is an acknowledgement of our human nature. Yep. It's, an admi- it's an admission that I'm weak and I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think of going to confession every month as showing uh, your lack of control over a certain sinful behavior, but instead try thinking of it as acknowledging that you need to depend on God for forgiveness mm-hmm. and grace to prevent you from letting doing whatever that, over, yeah. right, from, from falling into that sin again and yeah. letting it control you. It's important to note, too, that, uh, that Satan does not want us to go to confession. No. And he's always, he's always watching to see whenever... Whenever we are having uh, second thoughts about it, to mm-hmm. be able to say, "Well, you don't, you don't need to go there. there there's no way that the priest is going to be mad at you. Mm-hmm. Um, you you're, you're not going to be forgiven this time. This right. is one time too many." And so to be able to shut out those voices, because our God is a God that always calls us. He calls us from the moment of conception. He calls us throughout our lives, and he calls us at the end of our lives, always in the same direction to Him. Mm-hmm. And so it would be silly to think. Uh, that there is a time in which the Lord would not call us to himself, mm-hmm. even especially when he wants to heal us. Exactly. You know? He's always calling you to. Yep. Yeah. And if you're still struggling with this, think in the same vein about the Holy Eucharist. So we go to the, we go to the Mass, and if we're in a state of grace, we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, not just once in our life, mm-hmm. but every week. Mm-hmm. And if you can, or if you have that devotion, you go more than more than that. Yeah. Uh, Holy Days of Obligation, well, obviously we all do that. But if you can go to daily Mass, sure. sometimes people go every day. Uh, and what is that? It's not an a, a expression to everyone, look how strong I am. I go to Mass every day. Quite the opposite. That's exactly the opposite. <laughs> it's a look how weak I am. I need Christ every day. I need that mm-hmm. strength every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, we'd be one and done with the Eucharist, just like we'd be one and done with confession. That's like, right. well, I did it once. I got the grace, so I'm good to go. That's right. I can handle it from here on out. No. <laughs> and yet reconciliation, like the sacrament of the Eucharist and actually like the anointing of the sick, is meant to be repeated. It's mm-hmm. there to be repeated. Right. What a great gift. Right. And these are the, the means that God's given us to help us. Mm-hmm. He wants us to use these sacraments as as time and time again coming to him and saying, Father, I can't do it. Yep. Uh, and and that's that's the, the whole point is that... These are the, the means by, we, by which we come to Christ, by which we come to God and the Trinity, and we say, it's all you. Mm-hmm. I need you. And so here I am again could actually be a prayer. It actually, yeah, and it should be a prayer. Um, so the next time you go to confession and you're, you're feeling a little bit down on yourself because you're about to walk in and say the same things to Father Chris or Father Ryan that you said a month ago, mm-hmm. you could just pray, here I am again, Lord, acknowledging the necessity of you in my life. Here I am, Lord, dependent on you. 
in need of your infinite mercy in my human failings. And most of all, here I am, Lord, thankful for your grace. Mm-hmm. So confession Absolutely. is something that we obviously we, we all want to work on to make a habit. But coming into coming into it with that that sense of what's really about to happen. I'm about to receive grace because I'm not enough. That's right. That's and just attitude. like the laundry that's waiting for me at my rectory, Kathleen, <laughs> I have to go to confession re, uh, frequently because you got to, just like you got a clean house, you've always got to clean the soul frequently. That pile yeah. is about to smell real rank. Oh, my, my <laughs> personal pile or you mean yours uh, coming back from, well, from I a mean, trip? Well, I mean, figuratively, you're... You know, your pile of sins. Oh, yeah, I got Maybe you. Maybe you're huh. probably your pile of laundry. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. yeah. Better not leave that too long. Just no, saying. That's true. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, and, and sometimes the worst laundry to do is like post trip laundry. Ugh. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I never sweated so much <laughs> this week. I, I was trying to pretend like it was fall, so I wore tights and like a jacket mm-hmm. and not and good. San Antonio is not My, fall. Oh, yesterday I was outside in this tent. Oh, no, it was horrible. <laughs> It was so bad, but... So t- take a lesson from <laughs> Kathleen's laundry and go to confession. Go to confession. <laughs> I love it. I think we'll go from laundry to that part of the show, my friends, that we like to call... The CU Pick of the Week. And for our CU Picks of the Week, which we've made it unto, uh, how about Kathleen? You're, you're fresh back. Yes. Uh, yeah. Pick of the Week. What you got? I know we've probably talked about this before. We use them on the show, um, but I bought a GoPro. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to get into, like, I bought a Mac. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I decided that I should use it for its fullest potential, so I should look into how it does things other than Facebook uh-huh. uh, yeah. and email. She's as, becoming a white hat, Father yes. Ryan. Yes. <laughs> I've joined the ranks, but anyway, uh, so I got a GoPro for this weekend to see, you know. Oh, like, cool! Did yeah. you did you take? And I use I I use it to just record um, talks because otherwise I was yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it's look, I got the GoPro. We ha- I had a GoPro for school, mm-hmm. but I got this GoPro for my for myself. And this one comes with a touch screen. Oh, man, that's mm. nice. Surprise. I didn't even know it came with a touch screen. Yeah. The other one I had, no touch yeah, screen. Our, our studio GoPro just has one button on it, which is very difficult. I'm, look, touch screen is the way to go. <laughs> this It comes with three different housings. So this, the traditional one, okay, so it comes in this like hard plastic case. Mm-hmm. The traditional one that's closed. Mm-hmm. The, then there's the one that's open in the back. Mm-hmm. And then this new one has one that has like a, um, a thin film so you can protect your GoPro, but you, oh, can, but you still can still use the, screen. yeah. Cool. And the sound, I mean, it picked up the sound really well, mm-hmm. which I was kind of afraid for right. because I don't think it has. You don't always know what you're getting with yeah. a little small microphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does not really have a good track record, but, um, but it was awesome. I, I paid just over 300 bucks for it on Amazon. It usually goes for like 350 around ish. Um, but I love it. I lo- I'm super excited to see what else they can do, what else I can use it for. GoPro, Hero 4, do it. Nice. Invest. All it's right. awesome. Maybe a Cyber Monday. Oh, that's yeah. not a bad Coming idea. Up. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, shoot. So, so is, or do you have a cyber-related uh, pick of the week, Olivia? Of course I don't. No, I know I don't. Um, but it's, it's cool in a 1600s kind of way. Oh, yeah. So, How very uh, technical of you. So as you know, 
the current math that we use is the Mercator projection, um, mm -hmm. and you may or may not have heard that many of the, the uh, not the planets, many of the, the countries and the continents on the map are distorted because of the way that they had to project it. Um, but Because the Earth is not flat. Because the Earth is not flat, so we have to do some finagling to get it all into that nice big map that we pull down and use in the third mm -hmm. grade. And um, I would love to have behind me in the studio, but I don't yet. Oh, man, with the little, the little metal sticky... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Walter Cronkite. Good. Yes, Go. Keep I like going. That. I like that. Well, anyway, so uh, a team in Japan basically designed a new world map using a different projection system, hmm. um, and it's a much more accurate way of depicting uh, uh, the world. So Antarctica is much more um, relevant to its actual size. It's not one of the biggest continents in the world. In fact, it's one of the smallest. Greenland has shrunk to a manageable size. Um, <laughs> I think we can all agree that Greenland is just too much, too big for its own goodness. It's just too time. much for me. We had to do something yeah. about Greenland. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I just think it's cool because we've basically been using the same map for 400 years and yeah. this new team of scientists have come up with a, a better way to do it. It's not something you think about uh, in terms of technology. Is we need a, We need us a new map of the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, we thought we'd, we'd licked that with the... Uh, right. We figured out it wasn't flat. We figured out a map. We're yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. But and yeah, yet. there's always innovation. So mm -hmm. there you go. Very we'll cool. We'll put the link in the show notes to the Mental Floss. That's, I know. That's fascinating. Article uh, that talks about Jeff, your pick of the week. Oh, uh, with uh, flooding uh, this year in our area of Louisiana, uh, I was distracted and following football until recently, like the last week or two. So sure. I am late recommending this app, but it was from Nissan USA. They introduced the Die Hard Fan app. It is. It really is cool, uh, and and the way that um, it paints your face, you know, you, it's it's kind of a selfie so thing. So I, you know, I so. figured that would be your pick of the week. Well, but, uh, probably because <laughs> it showed up on Facebook yeah. this week, right? So, yeah. But it, I, I had several people say, like, "Cool, where did you have that done?" But it, it's it's in an app, and it's pretty huh. slick the way it works. And there's several different. It's like you're looking at the uh, the picture, and you can slide different uh, different styles face tats. Yeah. And of course, you got your team colors. And uh, Father Ryan introduced me to a new phrase before the show. <laughs> it's totally monomaniacal. So, uh, <laughs> right, self-indulgence. Really yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the, the the link is in the show notes. Speaking of self-indulgence, Father, your pick of the week. <laughs> My pick of the week is sous vide cooking. Sous vide, S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. Mm -hmm. It involves basically using a very, very precise. Uh, wand to create a certain specific temperature in a, say, a pot of water. You vacuum seal your food, you put it in there, and you're going to cook it at 131 degrees for four hours. Mm -hmm. And it makes the most perfect meat you've ever had in your life. Um, it, it's astounding. Father Chris and I both got these things from a Nova Culinary. Sh should I and it sous vide is, for the CU one, wow. one evening? Yes. Yeah. You, you should always... Oh, cook, it's, bake, whatever it's for so the well. CEO. And Kathleen, you can set it, you can have your phone set it so what? that it will have a cooked steak for you when you get home. Mm. And all you got to do is sear it. Nice. You like I that? I like that. That's yeah. Stupid cool. delicious. <laughs> as as and, and they been, And they've been advertising it. They've been discounting it to about $100, $125 now. So it's really affordable too. That's mm. right. My pick of the week is uh, is from the folks at Tulane University. It's called New Orleans Historical. So if you, Kathleen, or somebody who now live in New Orleans oh. and you'd like to take several different tours through the city's history, this is a completely uh, free service uh, that uh, that will tell you the story of some of New Orleans' famous neighborhoods. Nice. And, uh, and so I believe, let's see here, uh, there are a couple of them, like the, the Upstairs Lounge Fire, the uh, Carville, the National Leprosarium. That's actually um, the one that I was looking at because I was talking about the, the leprosy, the leper mm -hmm. colony uh, in, in Carville. 
and uh, and it's like a little driving tour, and it takes you on a little Google map uh, uh, to all the different spots, and uh, and really really kind of a cool thing. So it's the New Orleans area, so not just in the city of New Orleans, but uh, also some different spots around. Uh, I don't know if it goes as far as Baton Rouge, our capital city. But uh, so, yeah, neworleanshistorical.org. We'll put that in the show notes. That way you can have an educational trip to the French Quarter, not, you know, any of the other kind of trips mm-hmm. to the French Quarter. Anyway. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, you can you can imbibe a little bit as you're taking that walking tour. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeff, we are always grateful to those who uh, who certainly are benefactors to us in the material and in the spiritual realm. Absolutely. And by the way, there, there are lots of great uh, places to eat in the French Quarter, too. So That's true. Good That's dining right. establishments. Yeah. Uh, this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Also, portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at catholicunderground.tv. That is true. And, of course, the holidays are coming up, and uh, and Mystic Monk always has their holiday blends. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing. Uh, my favorite is the Royal Rum Pecan. Ooh. It's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Never tried Highly that. recommended. Yeah. All right. If you'd like the show notes and everything else that comes along with the package that is the Catholic Underground, you can head over to catholicunderground.com. You'll find everything there, as well as Father Ryan's new feature, the Catholic Daily Journal, which can also be heard on Catholic Community Radio in the morning. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee. She's the Faith Ninja, and she's our Hope Samurai. <laughs> she's at Kathleen Y-A-B-R. Welcome back, Kathleen. Mm-hmm, thank you. Olivia Galino's at O.M. Galino on Twitter. Uh, Father Ryan Humphreys is, uh, is certainly joining us. Uh, he wants you to check out the Catholic Daily, Daily Journal at cu.com. And our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. You can find him at jeffblackwell.us. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video director for this episode has been Ed Ball. He's also run the graphics with his other octopus hand, uh, octopus hand you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know me. I'm your neighborhood-friendly Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at DigitalCatholic. We hope that we've helped you to cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground, and my friends, we will see you next time.